Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning. How you doing? How are the rest of you doing? Just because your team lost last night doesn't mean you lose the victory. That song that we wrapped up with right there, I trust you caught the significance of those words. I believe is a powerful, powerful statement. I was behind the screen just worshiping and as Jamie was leading, I was thinking of uh, a couple of years ago when Gabriella was first diagnosed uh, with the crazy uh, battle she went through. Um, we were at the hospital uh, on a Sunday night, uh, Pastor Ron and I, when uh, Gabriella was there in the emergency room with her mom and dad. They'd been there for several hours. And um, she was sitting on the middle of the bed, and Connie and TJ were standing against the wall. Pastor Ron was standing back. I was standing beside her. And uh, the doctor walked in, and he, uh, he had obviously been in and out a lot, but they were waiting for a diagnosis, or at least an early diagnosis. And uh, the doctor walked back in, and he started to speak to Connie and TJ, and, and Gabriella said, no, no, understand she's, I think, 11 years old at the time, or 10 maybe. And she... She said, no, you speak to me. <laughs> and the doctor turned, he looked at Connie and TJ, they nodded, and, and the doctor walked over, I was standing on one side of the bed, the doctor on the other, and, and he was trying to find a way to tell her this diagnosis, and he couldn't get it out, and Gabriella finally said, doctor, do I have cancer? And he said, yes, at least our first diagnosis. And, you know, eventually he walked out of the room, Pastor Ron walked out of the room, and Connie and TJ and Gabrielle and I were standing there. And out of my spirit, um, the Word just began to come alive. And I looked at Connie, I looked at Gabrielle, I looked at TJ, and I said, but we believe. And that, I believe, has become a, a prayer motto for uh, the Young family, for the Brantley family, um, declaring that for two years, that we, no matter what the circumstance say, and, and, and you realize in our nation today, circumstances are bad. And if you look at what the world has to say and what the news has to say, you'll find it hard to be able to declare, but I believe. What, what is it that we believe? What is it that I believe? What is it that you believe? Is it a resounding yes to every promise that God says in his word, no matter what it looks like in the natural? Can you say amen to that, I believe? So, so to sing this song as a declaration, I, you know, I, I, I trust that uh, with everything that's happening in our nation today, that if nothing else, it's causing you to run to God like never before. If you're still lukewarm as a believer and pray a little bit here and there and, you know, you're more stirred and moved because your gators lost last night to Kentucky. I mean, seriously, does it get any worse if you're a Gator fan? But if you're a God fan and you're making that declaration, then what's happening in our world, in our nation, even though it looks dark and bleak, and if you don't know it, in the natural it does. I mean, there's just crazy things going on in our society. Leaderships are making decisions that a year or two years ago, you'd have, you'd have bet everything you had in your bank account or your best friend's bank account. That never happened, not in America. But it's happening. Are we going to be moved by it? Or are we going to move it by our faith? Are, are, are we going to make decisions that no matter what's going on, 
We're going to stand firm and strong, and we're going to trust Almighty God, and He's going to do great and mighty things in our midst. Come on, I think we ought to give the Lord a praise because He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. He is worthy. Well, that uh, has nothing to do with the message I'm preaching this morning. I'm starting a three-week series today on a message we've titled Kingdom Living uh, because the king has a way in which we're to live as believers that's different than the way that the world lives. Say amen to that. The king, Christ Jesus, king of glory has a purpose for us. And if we can grab hold of every word, every promise, where Jesus is not just our Savior because we want to get to heaven. How many of y'all want to go to heaven? Let me see. That's everybody. Even if you're not saved this morning, you want to go to heaven. Okay, let me tell you. You don't want to go to hell, no matter what your friends tell you. And you don't want to go hang out in hell with your friends because there won't be any friends in hell. But worst of all, there won't be any presence of the Christ, the loving God who created you and I for his purpose. So we're going to talk about the kingdom and we're going to talk about uh, what that means for us. So I'm going to, over the next few weeks, kind of preach slash teach. Uh, for all of you that have been around here forever, how, how many of you have been around here forever? Let me see your hands. It, it seems like it anyhow, okay? The rest of you, all of you that are new, welcome. We are honored that you're here. And uh, this word, a lot of this word I'm going to share over the next few weeks uh, really is the foundation of who the Rock of Gainesville is, what we are about, what we believe, uh, how, how strongly we believe in the kingdom of God and the manifestation of his presence, his glory, the necessity of his Holy Spirit in our lives uh, completely. Uh, Jim, are we hearing the feedback or is it just me up here? Because I'm hearing it really bad. And uh, Y'all hear it out there or it's just me? You do hear it? Okay. I just wanted to make sure because it just was, uh, y'all figured it out. Thanks. I'm going to just keep preaching. So, bringing every area of our lives under the Lordship of Jesus Christ as both Savior and Lord. Savior is a wonderful thing because it's when we surrender, we bow our heart, our knee before the Lord, we accept that we are a sinner, lost, desperately in need of a Savior. Can't sa- How many of you tried to save yourself before you, you guys? It, it just doesn't work, does it? No matter what you do, uh, you still have the same massive emptiness inside of you when Jesus is not Savior of your life. But when he becomes Savior, wow. Things radically change in your life. And for for a long time, most people, after they first become a Christian, just walk around with a silly smile on their face because they've experienced some joy, uh, some peace, some happiness, uh, some uh, contentment, some satisfaction, some uh, recognition of a removal of guilt and condemnation that had consumed their life. And all of a sudden, the joy of my salvation. I mean, I was eight years old when I got saved, and it ne- I, I've never lost it. I was reading this morning early my devotions, um, and it was all about what you have to do not to backslide or slide backwards. And, and, and man, it was all good. It was powerful. I just was encouraged by it. But, but thinking about my own life, you know, and the, the, the simplicity of not backsliding to the point where you don't even acknowledge God anymore in your life. To be honest, I don't know how you go from saved to that place. I mean, how do you go back to your vomit? And it be appealing. I don't know when you have experienced the fullness of salvation. 
The joy of being free. The joy of knowing Christ. The joy of knowing God because you know Christ. The joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the presence of the living Christ in you that enables you to walk out, to be perfect? No, never this side of heaven. See, just because you're saved doesn't mean you're not going to just mess up every once in a while. How many of you are married? How many of you can answer that your spouse, no, don't do that. That would not be Christian of you. But we all mess up. But that has nothing to do with our salvation. I woke up on the bad side of the bed this morning. Doesn't make have anything to do with my salvation, my righteousness, who I am in Christ Jesus. It just means I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I saw one of my grandkids. I saw several of them coming in this morning. I was trying to hug them. One of them just looked. I said, what's wrong with you? I'm tired. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wanted to say, go to bed on Saturday night. And then, of course, the sibling said, oh, we were up till midnight. Well, of course you're going to come to church tired. But thank God, even that doesn't affect your salvation. Amen? Amen. It just means your parents ought to put you to bed at night. <laughs> I mean, my wife last night, 845, I'm sitting in the, in, my, in, my, in the kitchen, and I was just reading through my notes. And she said, I thought you already sent your notes out. I said, yeah, I did. I'm just reading through them, adding a little bit to it. She said, it's past your bedtime. <laughs> It's 8.45. She knows, man. I mean, these last couple years, 9 o'clock, I can't keep my eyes open. And it's a wonderful thing to sleep seven, eight, nine hours. Amen. It's amazing how you wake up on Sunday morning refreshed and excited about going to church when you're not waking up tired. Come on, somebody. I'm just being a little daddy here right now. I mean, you do everything to make it to that ball game or that dance recital of your kids, and you do it on time. Oh, Lord, help me not to just go there this morning. But, but, but man, when it comes to the house of God, we take it so flippantly. And drag our butts into church tired and exhausted. Is he Lord of your life? <laughs> Have you forgotten what he's done for you? Have you forgotten the joy? that comes with being cleansed, healed, and delivered. Y'all still love me say, I love you or something, man. I just, okay, I'm going to go on. All right, so today we're going to start, we're going to look at a bunch of things that in my judgment have to do with kingdom living. We're going to talk about money. <laughs> and you're looking at one pastor that's not afraid to talk about money. Because the kingdom of God talks about it a lot. Jesus talked about money actually more than he talked about salvation, heaven, or hell, or faith. The vast majority of Jesus' parables and references touched on money. You know why? Because wherever your money is, is where your heart is, where your treasure is, where your heart is, where your money is. And we find out in our walk with the Lord. I'm going to make some statements that those of you that are new in our house maybe have never heard in your life uh, in church. I might not make them today. But then again, I might. Who knows? As long as I don't look at my wife, I'm free to, <laughs> free to go. She's Now, because she believes it just like I do, because she'll tell you. This issue of money had to do with my salvation. I thought I was saved. I thought I loved God. Till I found out that I had no trust in him. No confidence. No heart for him. And I found that out when I realized I was the thief and a robber in the house of God. So we're going to talk about money and how it's related to the kingdom. And we're going to talk about what God thinks about your money and why he wants to bless you. Can I just tell you right off the top, Father God wants to bless you beyond anything you ever dreamed or imagined, even, even kind of fantasized over in your wildest imaginations. God's heart for you is more than that. But the problem is how we get there. And money just really speaks about the condition of this right here. So kingdom living is all about what's in your heart, where the world, it's all about what's in your wallet. If you watched 
One hour of TV this week, you have seen that commercial. What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Man, they got Samuel Jackson doing it. They got that girl doing it. I mean, they just, and the minute you see them, the first thing that hits your mind is before they even get to the punchline at the end of the 60 second commercial is what's in your wallet. But what's really, really, really important is what's in your heart. And so we're going to look at that. Hopefully you're, you're not going to run out of here and, and screaming and hollering. Well, all that preacher wants is your money. No, you probably, if you're new in this house, don't even know when or how we receive tithes and offerings because it happens so quick. Those of us that have been around here for a long time can tell all of you that are new, there's never been one sermonette, sermonette. Anybody know what a sermonette is? That's uh, about a 10 to 12 minute sermon before the preacher takes up the offering. And, and a lot, a lot, a lot of churches and pastors do that because they haven't come to the simple revelation of teaching the people the truth of God's word. Then you don't have to come every week and encourage them and remind them. And, you know, guys, we, we had an AC go out this week and we're going to need about 10,000 extra dollars and, and just make you feel What does that have to do with me paying my tithe? or giving my offerings, or examining what's in my heart. Aren't you glad you've never known every time we've had an air condition go out at the Rocket Games? How, how many of you are glad of that? I mean, I don't know about you, but I am. I don't want to sit through that. I'd just rather go, when and where do I get the opportunity to pay my tithe and give my offering? I want to make, and man, don't you love living in 2021 in the midst of all this craziness? There's still some wonderful things like pay online. Come on, somebody. I paid all my bills for the whole month yesterday morning in about seven minutes. Click, change the amount, click. Next, change the amount, click. Pay my tithe, click. Get ready to give my offerings. Click. We're done. How many of y'all had the legal yellow pads? You used to write everything out and take you like three hours to, to, to balance your checkbook at the end of each month. And, and then I had to balance my wife's checkbook. Oh, my gosh. The, if there was ever something that caused marital problems between my wife and I, it was that nine cents I couldn't find in her checkbook. <laughs> Like nine cents. And would you tell me why back then I would spend hours trying to find nine cents? Was my, was my time not of more valuable than nine cents? But there was something about that, that thing that I had been taught that you got to balance it to zero. That's right, Miss right, Chris. Lord have mercy. All right. John's Gospel, chapter 15. Turn there. I want to give you a sermonette this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I want to give you an appetizer to this whole thing on kingdom because uh, I, I'm not going to get really to the heart of what I want to teach probably until the end this morning and the beginning of next week because as I started thinking about kingdom and the significance literally of, of everything, matter of fact, as you're turning there, let me just tell you, we're going to talk about in this kingdom living um, we're going to talk about the tithe, the offering. We're going to talk about prosperity. Suzanne and I actually listened to a message uh, by a pastor uh, last Monday on our way home. Uh, we were traveling down the interstate, and, and we were just trying to find different uh, people to listen to, and she found this message. And I had never heard this guy ever teach on anything outside of faith and healing and trusting God and the miraculous and the supernatural. And all of a sudden, here he is uh, teaching at a Bible college on, on finances. On, actually, he was teaching specifically on the word prosperity. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to listen to this. Anybody else ever? I hope y'all don't come to church and do that. It's like, oh, man, turn him off. Is anybody else speaking today? But, you know, that's a good thing when you're just going through the, the, the uh, uh, looking for something. You can, well, I've heard that before, and I'll move on. But, but all of a sudden, I just felt like we need to listen. 
And he started out with an explanation, a definition, his definition of what prosperity is compared to what so many in the church world think it is. And he had me fish hooked, man, he was reeling me in. Because it, it, it was just a strong, powerful word. It, it, it was a, a, a word that we had to really listen to and go, wow. I mean, that's, that's almost out there. It's like, do we, do we actually believe that? And, and, uh, but, it, but it caused us to examine our heart. It caused us to examine what we had heard before, what we were hearing now, maybe what Holy Spirit was wanting to say. That's the beauty of being a kingdom person that's got your ears tuned into the Holy Spirit, that when he begins to take you from glory to glory. He might be taking you from something you've always thought you believed to that which he wants you to believe. That's a good amen right there. Amen. All nine of you. Thank God for nine of you. But that, that's, a, that's a powerful word. He, because he's preparing you to take you to the next place. And to do that, you got to hear, you got to examine, you got to consider and then you got to let Holy Spirit reveal. And when you do that, man, all of a sudden things begin to, to you, you walk in a new enlightenment, a new revelation of something that Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about. So we're going to talk about the blessing of God. How many of you like blessing? Let me, come on, be honest. Everybody likes blessing. Some, of you, some new people in here today are like, how many times are you going to make us raise our hands? <laughs> How many of you like curses? How many of you know what a curse is, though? Yes. Yeah. Been there, done that, experienced that, would like that to never be a part of my life again. Well, you know how you get to where curses no longer follow you? Is you get all that bad seed out of your life. You get to the point where you're no longer planting bad seed, reaping a curse. I mean, I, I went to church since I was born. But going to church and walking in truth are two different worlds. You can go to church all you want. But if you don't, if you don't turn over your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if he's just your Savior, woo, I'm going to heaven. Woo! You ready to go today? Oh, no. No, we're not signing up for a bus trip today. But are you willing to surrender everything to his lordship see when you say yes lord then you don't get to say yes lord but yes lord but but don't you want to hear my thoughts on this matter no he really doesn't so we're going to talk about how we walk in that blessing we're going to talk about seed offering some of you that's a new term for you we're going to talk about the fruit of obedience we're going to talk about love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think you might have found that in your Bible somewhere, like Galatians chapter 5. And the promise of eternal life. I live with the joy that no matter what I'm going through, ultimately, I win. Why do I win? Because he already won. Amen? So no matter what we're going through, no matter how difficult the battle, I was, I was reading an article yesterday out of the uh, Voice of the Martyrs, and they were talking about um, a church that was uh, going through, uh, and, and in light of everything else the Voice of Martyrs always write about, this was like, this was, this was like elementary. They were just talking about what this church was going through to get a building permit to build a building. And in the midst of it, how they just made a decision that they were going to be thankful and they were going to worship God. So every stage of the building process and the two years they were waiting for a permit just because somebody didn't want to give it to them. Was that America or was that some other country? Uh, it was another country, but it sure sounded like Gainesville to me. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that, that uh, man, it's a process because somebody doesn't like you. Matter of fact, one of our builders told me a few weeks ago, uh, just in case y'all don't know, we, d we do not have a CO for our building that we've been in for 15 months. Really? 
And a CO means certificate of occupation. How many of you are here this morning? <laughs> You're occupying the seat this morning. And, uh, and one of the guys said, Pastor, somebody down in the county doesn't like you. Well, let's get so personal about it. <laughs> I, I mean, are you saying they don't like me personally or they don't like the church? Well, for whatever reason, you know, we're, we're and the good news is we think whether they like us or not, we think they're finally going to approve uh, us to do what we're doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, I thought a CO was you ain't got a CO, you ain't getting in. But here we is, <laughs> and I've uh, been worshiping God, and uh, it's a wonderful thing. But, but this church, the Voice of Martyrs are talking about, they, they said, and they showed a little video clip, and it blessed me because I've been in so many of those settings in a, in, a, in a third world country, in a building that wasn't fair. And honestly, when I looked at it, I thought, wow, you know, pr praise God, maybe it's been such a good week, they don't have something more heavier to write about, and they're writing about, because I've been in, almost everybody that's been with me to Cuba's been in one of these kind of buildings. He said, well, this building didn't finish, and they said, oh yeah, this building was finished 45 years ago. <laughs> Whoa, it doesn't look finished, but, but in the midst of it, wow. How many of you been to Cuba with me? Let me see your hand, hold them up real high. We, we've had way over 100 folks, especially in the four and a half years we did the Bible, uh, um, the million Bibles to Cuba. And uh, in some of the hottest, most war-torn looking buildings, we've experienced some of the most powerful times of worship and prayer and faith and people that seem to have something almost scary, like I'm supposed to have what they have and why don't I have it? Passionate, on fire, consumed with the presence of God. I don't want a nice building with air conditioning and a big screen ever be my worship to God. I don't want stones having to cry out because I won't cry out, because I won't lift up my hands, because I won't honor God with my whole life. I wanna make sure that when I say, Lord Jesus, that I fully understand what I'm talking about. Amen? All right, so uh, John chapter 15, verse 10 and 11 says, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Let, let me just pause there. You remember the story when they asked Jesus, well, well we, we've done all these things. What is the greatest commandment? Yeah. And he, he gives two commandments. Love the Lord with how much of your heart? And love your neighbor. So, so when I'm reading this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And, and I'm thinking that the whole commandment that the Lord's wanting me to keep is he's just wanting to make sure that my heart is right with Father God. And out of that, I, I, am, I am right and ready to love my neighbor. You know, that bad neighbor, that unlikable neighbor, that neighbor at work, that neighbor at the desk next to you, that neighbor that's your boss, that he wants us to be different than the world. And I really believe that when we've had a heart transformation, it's not a process of getting up and going, oh, golly, God, oh, today help me because I really dislike that guy. You can dislike them all you want. You just got to love them. You got to love their heart. You got to love their soul. You got to love them to the point where you want to spend eternity with them in heaven. Even if you dislike them. Just let that settle for a second. Let's stew that, stir it. Let's stir in that. Because the world is in need of the church looking like the church. 
The world is in need of the church being like Christ. And man, did Jesus love big. He loved your old sorry self when you deserved hell. He loved you and said, no, no, no. And he died on the tree for you, for me. That's some serious kind of love. And it's the kind of love that changes us from the inside out. I don't want to have church and have classes where we just come and learn how to change on the outside. If we're not falling on our faces in his presence saying, God, do a work in here. Because if I can get this done, everything else will line up. How you treat your wife, how you treat your husband, how you treat your children, how you treat those you work with, those you're in traffic behind. Just as I have kept, verse 10, my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you. Listen to this. This is what I want you to get. Kingdom. That my joy may be in you. Listen to this. And that your joy may be full. What's it going to look like when the church is full of joy? What's prayer meeting going to look like when we come full of joy? Because it has nothing to do with what happened last night, has nothing to do with anything externally, has everything to do with who I am in Christ. And I was lost and on my way to split hell wide open. And Jesus loved me. And he redeemed me. And he forgave me. And he cleansed me. And he healed me. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going I'm to pick up verse 16 here. And uh, we are going to get to, by the, by the time the clock gets down, I'm going to get to my message. Galatians chapter 5. Now, this is, this is very much a part of it. But I say, walk by the Spirit. This is Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. You know, I don't have time to, to reference Paul and the amazing work that God did in this man named Saul. He had an experience. We call it the Damascus Road experience. He was on his way to kill Christians, and Jesus showed up. And it so revolutionized his life. That when he stood up and got to his senses and he was blind and he couldn't see, he cried out, Lord, Lord, what would you have of me? And it radically changed his life. And three-fourths of the new covenant that we read were written by this man who used to kill Christians. Tell me God doesn't know how to love and to forgive and to cleanse, and to heal, and to redeem. And with the same passion and even greater, he went from killing Christians to being probably one of the most radical Christians of his time. Why? Because he took the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, come on, hear me now, to us filthy Gentiles. How many filthy Gentiles are in the, how many Jews are in the house? We got a, we got a bunch of Jew, Jewish folks in our house. Guess what? God doesn't love them any more than he loves us, doesn't love us any more than he loves them. But because of a radical experience this man had. So he's writing this letter to Galatia, and he says to them, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Say opposed. How many of you this week experienced a battle in your spirit, man, that was like this, and it was all inside of you? There's a battle raging, all of us. If you're breathing, you have a battle, right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness, life and death, constantly at war with each other. And, And Paul's giving an encouragement, and hear this, he's not speaking to unbelievers, He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to you and I. And in 2021, it's just as relevant today as it was when it was first read to the church at Galatia. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want 
to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Say, thank you, Jesus, for not being under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They are a lot. (laughs) Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these I warn you. Now, immorality, purity, we look at those, go, oh yeah, no, man, church ought not to be involved in that kind of stuff. Mm, but then it says strife, and jealousy, fits of anger. Divisions. Many of you have come out of churches or fellowships where it was a war zone in what we called church. Divisions over the color of carpet, over a pew versus a soft chair. I guess all of y'all voted for the soft chair. So, <laughs> but divisions, strife, things that cause us to be at war with each other. Those are not of God. Those are not of God. And because we're not under the law, we do not have to submit to those things, even though, unfortunately, they come natural for many of us because it's part of the flesh. But you're not bound to it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Read them out loud. I think they're on the screen. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. These are the things that the Lord wants as a kingdom man, a kingdom woman, a kingdom child, a kingdom young person, kingdom church. These are the things that are supposed to just become natural for us. You shouldn't have to get up every day and spend 30 minutes praying, Lord, Help me to love today. I mean, if you're still there, you, you, you probably just need to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Lord, today I just need joy. I just need joy. I just need joy. But hold it. It's a fruit of you walking with Christ. Are you hearing me this morning? It's a fruit. It, it, it comes organically, naturally. I said a while back, a couple of years ago, I quit praying for grace for things in my life that I've already been graced for. I mean, why, why mess with God like that? If you're going to bring a prayer, bring something that he's ready to, because of your faith, he's going to respond to. But we, we spend time praying for grace. Lord, give me grace today to not kill that, my boss at work. Well, that's a salvation issue. I mean, seriously, that, that's just, you got to get your heart right. Because once you do, then every day, in every circumstance that you walk in, hear me, the word says, his grace is sufficient. Now, is he God or is he not? Is his grace sufficient or is it not? If you spend a lot of time complaining about your work, Something needs to give. If that is what God led you in to do, now if you're somewhere doing something you're not supposed to do, you need to find a way to get out of it. Go find what you're supposed to be doing. But but if you're called to do this, hear me, there's a grace, bam, right there. You don't have to get up every day, spend 35, he'd rather you be praying for your lost loved ones than to be praying over something that he already promised you. Oh, I'm touching on something here that if you're woe is me every night when you come home and your husband or your wife and children have to listen to that, kids are going to begin to wonder, where's mommy or where's daddy's faith? I thought they loved God. I thought they trusted God. But, but, but if every day it's just woe, 
woe is me. I'm, I'm just tired of this. You might want to pause and give God thanks for a job. <laughs> you might want to pause and give thanks to God for a well-paying job, providing your needs. Because there's a few people in the house that would switch with you. They're looking for a job. Be thankful. I love what I do. I mean, I love pastoring y'all. I didn't say pestering. I said <laughs> pastoring. That means I pray for you. Seek the Lord over you. When there's needs, we try to be there for you. We bring you the word. It's not just me. I've got a whole team of amazing people that give their lives. Amen. Give it up for the team. And if I got anybody on my team that's not loving what they're doing, they need to go. I mean, if you don't like people, being in the ministry is not really a great profession. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you need the grace of God just to go out in the lobby and greet folks, you probably need a job somewhere else. But thankfully, the people around me, they're passionate. They love. I love Pastor Ron's heart. He came in here a long time ago and just committed. I mean, he was a number one man. He was a senior pastor of a great church in Davenport, Iowa. Is God even in Iowa? <laughs> I mean, I just don't know if cold weather... I mean, I just, never mind. God is in Iowa, I promise you. But he came down here, and i never forget the first time I heard somebody ask him, where are you going to be when you're 90 years old? And he said, wherever pastor is, one step behind carrying his briefcase. I never asked the man to carry my briefcase. I mean, he's the same age as I am. Been married the same exact time. Went to the same Bible college I went to. Matter of fact, we figured it out the day that I left Central Bible College, Ron and Barbara moved in the next day. That's crazy, isn't it? The day that Pastor Ed and Karen left Christ for the Nations, the next day Suzanne and I moved in. I've been to a lot of Bible colleges. <laughs> the Lord knew y'all were a unique group of people and I needed a lot of training from a lot. That's how I'm looking at it right now. It's just like, actually, I'm gonna leave that alone. But. The goodness of God, his grace. What are you doing out there? Because we're all called as ministers. See, not just Pastor Ron or Pastor Suzanne or Pastor George, Pastor Tad, not all the other pastors, part of the team. Every single one of us that are saved, we're anointed, ordained, commissioned, Commission. Think about that word. I'll never forget when Fabe and Andrea's son Joshua got commissioned in the United States Air Force. I'd been out for a long time. And they invited me to go. What an incredible experience. University of Florida. All these guys in their little blue uniforms that just, you know, the blast of the past. My, whoa, it just overtook me. And I mean, I'm sitting there fighting tears. And when the flag went out, man, I jumped up. I was like, hoping everybody else was, you know, salute the flag. And, and uh, all these young students that had been working so hard for four years and graduate. And then they started uh, naming all the different um, jobs that these graduates were going to. One young lady, her dad was a gen, general, I believe it was. Was it, was it fake? The guy that spoke, I, he, he flew down to be a part of this. He was a general. I'm thinking, wow, they bring a general into an ROTC graduation? Well, his daughter was graduating. And he got to commission her as a second lieutenant, and then he got to give her her orders to flight school. Man, I was like, woo! I mean, just something about that. She was getting, I'll never forget the commissioning. Whether you're an NCO or an officer, it doesn't matter. You committed your life to serve and to protect this country from terrorism, domestic, which we're experiencing today, and foreign. 
But as believers, when you got saved, you got commissioned. You got commissioned. When I went to Airborne Jump School in 1978, whoop, and I finished and we were all out on the flight line there were 600 plus of us and we're all lined up in our squadrons we had all completed our five jumps how many airborne I have in the house this morning let me see your hand if you're airborne I see some hands airborne I don't know when you guys were in but when I was in they were still commissioning us they put the airborne wing on your fatigue shirt you know how you would pull your shirt out and take the little clips and put them on the two prongs well that's not how they did it back in the day I'm sure they do it today that way but back in the day when it when real airborne troopers were airborne oh I'm just just kidding they they put that wing right there over the left side of your heart and they slammed it and it drew blood and that blood was worth it because we had paid a price to get those wings and to this day when I see a vehicle and they got a paratrooper or US Airborne I find it hard not to just chase them down pull them over the side just to talk to them if I see an old guy wearing a paratrooper hat Man, it's airborne. And then it opens up a door of conversation. You know why? Because whatever his rank was didn't matter. He was commissioned just like I was. Every believer in this place, we've been commissioned to be kingdom people, to live a kingdom life, to live not according to our thoughts, our ideas, our plans, but according to his purpose, his plan for us. See, if we live by the Spirit, verse 25, Paul said, let us also keep in step, keep in step with the Spirit of Christ. You're a soldier. I talked about a couple of weeks ago, coming to a revelation after hearing a pastor that we might be considered wartime pastors in this generation. We can no longer just do it like we've always done it. The church is under attack all across the world. And we're going to find out, are we going to stand up and be who God has commissioned us to be? Kingdom people. Loving not only each other, but we're going to love our enemies. And in loving them, fighting a kingdom fight, a kingdom way. Man, I wish I had like two more hours. 17 seconds in the red. I'm going to stop. I haven't even got to, doesn't matter. I'm going to stop. Wednesday night here, family night, we're going to have a night of worship. That's right, right, Jamie? That's right, Ron? Night of worship and prayer. I encourage you, bring your kids, come out. We don't stay long. There's something about getting in the, we need to be praying together. Yes. Let's not wait until it's so desperate. Then you're calling asking us, can we have a prayer meeting? Because we're already having something. Just need for you to see the importance of it. Bring your kids, don't leave them at home. Bring them. Leave the iPads at home, leave everything else at home. Be a great time, parents, for you to learn how to teach your kids that they can behave in church for an hour but they also can experience the presence of God. They're not gonna experience it at home. Whoever's watching them is not gonna provide for them what's gonna happen here. We're gonna invite the presence of God. We're gonna invite the anointing of God. We need God's help in this generation. We need God's help today in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our finances. Because God has a purpose, a plan, a future, and a hope that involves the church. We're not being left out. We are the church of the last days. And the Bible, the Word of God, has a lot to say about this day that we're living in. What we need to know is what is He saying versus how much most of you know 
because what CNN says or Fox News or CNBC or whatever other talking head. They never shut up. Do you notice that? And they're not offended when you leave. You leave, they know you're coming back. They just, they never shut up. I didn't mean that to be funny, but it really is. It's just like you turn it on, they're there. You turn it off, you think they're gone. They're not gone. Turn it back on, they're still right there talking, expecting you to be there, filling you. Oh, I really need to shut up and go home. Filling you with what we American Christians have said for so many years as we traveled abroad to China, to Russia, to Africa, to Cuba. They're filling you with propaganda. We got to learn how to go find out what the Word of God has to say. Because propaganda led the nations of the world to go through stuff if we're not careful. Those of you that are sitting here saying socialism could never happen in America. It's already happening. They are paying people. Some of you are going to go to a restaurant. As soon as I dismiss, you're going to out of here and you go head to a restaurant and there's only going to be like five tables of people, but they'll tell you it'll be 30 minutes before we can seat you. You ain't got nobody here. Yeah, but we only have one cook and two waiters. Why? Because our government is paying people more to stay home. Excuse me. You people, me, are paying people to stay home more money than they'll make if they go to work. Oh, I just need to dismiss you. But you hear what I'm saying? We got to make sure that we're full of God's Word instead of the news that's coming down the pike. Greater is He that is in us than he that's against us. And there is power power, power in the Word of God. We desperately need it in our lives. We need to respond in faith, in hope, in peace, in love. And you can't do that if you're all mad and angry. So when you get mad and angry because of what you're listening to, when you finally begin to get it, that this is propaganda, turn it off. Give your anger over to Jesus. If you're going to be angry, let it be a righteous anger. And respond in love like Jesus did. But these are the days we're living in. There are states in our beautiful nation that are putting churches and pastors under the crazy law of a government that doesn't sound anything like America. I read an article the other day by an older gentleman and he said, this is not the America I wanted for my grandchildren. And two years ago, you'd have never thought it could happen, but it's happening today. So it seems like it's gotten a little heavy in here God's Word is still powerful, and it's mighty, and it's strong, and it divides and separates between that which is right and that which is wrong, produces life. So let the Word of God be that that stirs with inside of you so that when you go through these things, and we're going through them, we're, we're having to prepare our children, and we're having to prepare our grandchildren for a day unlike anything we ever have lived in, in our nation. Get your head up out of the sand, even if it feels like it got a little heavy in church. Get your head up out of the sand and realize this is the day we need to know what God has to say. Because guess what? He has something to say about every circumstance and situation. But unless we're listening and hearing, we won't know what to do or how to respond. And many of us will respond, not according to the Spirit, but according to the flesh. Because we will be moved 
by the things that have moved us. I don't want to be moved by anything outside of Jesus and his word. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you guys? Would you bow your head, please? Father, I thank you for a great people. And, and even in the midst of this, Lord, feeling like it got a little heavy and not exciting, it is indeed the day that we're living in in America. Help us not to feel sorry for ourselves. Help us to not be woe is me Christians. Help us to walk in the same grace that so many in the third world countries have been walking in for days, weeks, months, years, some of them decades. We just never really believed it would come to America, but it has, it is, and your grace is sufficient. Your grace is mighty today. Your word is powerful today to pull down every stronghold against every believer sitting in this room. And I declare today the life of God, that as we walk out of this place, we will encourage one another, embrace one another, hug one another, speak life over one another, fellowship with one another, pray over one another, and encourage one another that, hey, you're gonna not only make it this week, you're gonna make it in victory. You're gonna walk in victory in the midst of the battle. You're gonna walk in victory. No matter what the enemy brings against you, you're gonna be reminded that he that's in you is awesome and great, mighty and powerful. And so I pray today, Father, over this people, over those, our precious folks that are watching online, those that are gonna listen on a podcast this week, I declare, Father, your kingdom mighty in this place. For such a time as this, Hear me this morning. Keep your head bowed, please. Just listen. For such a time as this, you were born into this world. From the youngest one sitting in here to the oldest, from the youngest to the oldest that are watching online, today, I want to remind you that even, even as Esther's uncle reminded her, This is your time. You can do nothing, God's still gonna be mighty. Or you could be a part of what God's doing in this day. And I wanna to say to every one of you in this house prophetically this morning, this is your time. This is even your children's time. Don't feel sorry for your children. Raise them and prepare them to know how to battle in the day of the Lord. Teach them and train them how to be worshipers, how to be prepared through prayer and intercession, how to speak faith over their circumstance, how to turn off the television and not allow the foolishness of ungodly people continually speaking in their lives, turning off some of their demonic games of blood, death, and murder that they play and help them to renew their mind to be like Christ. Prepare your children for this day and this hour that they are called by God. They are children of the living Christ. They are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Prepare them by declaring that his spirit in them is what they desperately need to cling to. Invite your children to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Invite them to learn how to pray in a heavenly prayer language. Invite them to begin to experience the fullness of God's love as they learn how to sit in his presence, worship in his presence, pray in his presence. Father, I pray over our children. 
I pray over all of our children, our grandchildren, Lord, the hundreds of kids in this house, those that are in jam this morning, preschool, Father, all the amazing preschool classes that are being taught by teachers and people, men and women, husbands and wives, dads and moms, bigger brothers and bigger sisters that are imparting love in the presence of God. Lord, in this day, this hour that we're living in, we need the fullness of all that you have for us. We reject just doing church the way we've done it for 50 years or even for 34 years. We need you. And whatever that means, we're willing to change, we're willing to move, we're willing to hear, we're willing to obey. Lead us. In our times of prayer and intercession, let your Holy Spirit fill every room. Every time we gather here, oh God, without your presence, we're wasting our time. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power that's been given to us. And I pray today over these that are sitting, those that are watching online, that every one of us together mentally and physically in a moment, get up and walk out of here commissioned to do the work of the ministry in our community. Touch lives, heal hearts, acknowledge Christ. Share our story with someone who desperately needs to hear the story of repentance and the fruit that comes with salvation. Let us love, let us walk in joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, goodness, kindness. Help us to be like Christ this week. Believers, if you would continue to pray for just a moment, every head continue to be bowed, please. If you're sitting in this room, you're watching online today, and you do not have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You're here this morning, not by accident. You're here because Holy Spirit drew you. Someone invited you. You stopped by. You're here. And I want you to know today that God loves you. Right where you are, right where you're sit, seated this morning, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what kind of sins you've committed, God loves you and he's knocking at your heart's door and he's saying, if you'll just open the door, I'll come in and be your Lord and I'll be your Savior. This morning, if that's you, you're sitting in this congregation, I'm gonna invite you just to lift up your hand and let me see it and let me lead you in a prayer this morning that simply says, Jesus, be Lord of my life. If you're watching online, you can call in, text in one of us, we'll respond. But today, you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. This morning, if that's you, across this congregation, would you just lift up your hand, hold it for a second, let me see it, and then I wanna lead you in a prayer that invites Jesus to be Lord of your life. Yes, God bless you. Who else this morning? That's you today. You know, man, God's knocking at your door. Your knees are knocking. You don't know what's going on. Jesus, Jesus loves you so much. And it's the greatest, yes, God bless you, sir. You can put it down once I've seen it. Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yes, young one there. Yes, God bless you. I see you there. God bless you. Mm. I'll never forget the day I ran to the altar. Jesus changed my life forever. Real quick, anyone else? I don't want to leave anybody. I know this is the greatest moment of your life right here. Saying, Jesus, be Lord of my life. All right, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Those of you who are watching online, pray this prayer with us. I'm going to invite the whole congregation to pray. But those of you that raised your hand, you pray this in faith. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. You're going to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. You're going to walk out of here today saved and on your way to heaven. Forgiven of every sin you've ever committed. Free in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Repeat this prayer after me. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, who went to the cross and died for me, I come before you. 
to say, I need you, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Will you be my Savior? I receive you by faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse me of all the wickedness. Today, I choose you, Jesus. I choose Father God. I choose the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to walk with you, Father, all the days of my life. I pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise for these five or six that responded today. I love that last scripture. They left it up there hoping I'd get to it. It says, Galatians 5, 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again. Again. That means going back. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery, of bondage. Amen? Because we're free in Christ Jesus. All right, I love you guys. God bless you. Pastor James. That's right. Come on. Thank God for that word. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.